Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. You know that feeling when you're in Target and your kid has thrown themselves on the floor crying because you won't get them that huge-ass Disney Frozen 2 Ultimate Arendelle Castle playset? Just me. You know that feeling when you've been texting and calling your teenager all night with zero response and your mind immediately rushes to the worst possible scenario. You know that feeling when you've got so much on your plate, you have a splitting headache and your kids are begging for you to just build Legos with them and you keep saying no and feeling like an a-hole. If any of these scenarios touch a nerve with you, I think this episode might be just for you. Parenting is hard. Motherhood is hard. Today's guest is Liz Carlisle of Motherhood Unstressed. And Liz is an entrepreneur. She's a mother of two, a TEDx speaker, holistic health coach, a yogi, and a fierce advocate for self-care for mothers. And I think as a mom, it's one of those things that is put way, 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 way down the list. And motherhood is freaking hard. And I think the pressure that we put on ourselves is so much greater than we have, but also the pressure of performing out in society or that society puts on us to be the perfect mother. And I think there are ways to address it. And I notice I love sitting down with Liz and talking with her as someone who is deeply plugged into the mom communities online and offline. And I notice that the guilt and shame is just off the chain with moms everywhere. But there are such simple and easy to do options that you can invite into your life and start to lower the blood pressure a bit and get a better handle on things. We will dig in in just a minute. And in the meantime, I always like to take a few minutes to update you on what's going on with me and what's going on with Little Left of Center. Uh, We are just a few days from Thanksgiving, and my very, very favorite, favorite, favorite day of the entire year is the day after Thanksgiving. We do celebrate Christmas, and the day after Thanksgiving, we always get our tree, and we decorate the tree. Um, Our home is already decorated for Christmas. We are one of those crazy November 1st, we are in Christmas mode families. I've also purposely kind of kept the plans light, over Thanksgiving because from a self-care perspective, I need to chill out. I need to get stuff done. I need to not be running around all the time, constantly going from this thing to that thing. So I'm really going to take advantage of the opportunity to work on my TED Talk, to work on finishing the Little Left of Center website, and work on finishing the programming for my Press Play podcast program, which I swear I'm going to be releasing the information very, very soon, if not already by the time this airs. Every new episode of mine airs on Tuesday, um, and right now I'm recording this on the Saturday before that, so I'm hoping to get it all handled before then. But I did want to leave you with two fun facts about podcasting. One is is personally about me, um, and so I have an interview podcast. So generally, I will have guests on that are culture changers. And I put a lot of a lot of thought and effort into the preparation for it. So normally, what I do is, um, is I 
kind of consume everything I possibly can. Um, it helps for me because I'm such an auditory learner. Um, it helps for me if there are podcasts or audio interviews because my brain just thinks it, it switches on somewhere in my brain where it kind of excavates between the questions or the answers that are, uh, are answered or asked and answered. And I come up with all of these ideas that what can I bring out or wow, that was so interesting, but what about this? And that's kind of how my brain works. And so I'll typically write about 10 questions and kind of have that as a guide. But I really take a, I really take a lot of effort to, in, to, to research and learn as much as I can. But I love seeing the person in action because that's when the questions really come up for me. But a uh, fun fact about me is that I never use notes during the interview. I want it to be conversational. I want it to be real. And it's also an exercise for me to help with my self-trust that if the guest wants to go in a different direction, we're going to go in that direction. And I need to trust myself that I'm going to be present and listening and quick on my feet to be able to go in that direction. Because generally, if it is like a natural conversation, people are far more likely to stay tuned in than if it was just to keep it on my schedule or these, you know, 10 questions that I might have. So again, I don't um, use notes at all. Usually, I typically will have a burning question that I'm dying to ask. So I like to kind of put those towards the front if I can, or the front of the interview. And it, it just flows and it works for me. So that's a little fun fact about me. I don't use notes during interviews. Another fun fact about podcasting is people ask me, well, how do you get the guests that you don't know? And what I think is interesting is that formal emails, like writing emails or cold emails, I don't use those ever, ever. I usually slide into people's DMs. And the way I do it is usually I want to keep it very short, very succinct. And I might say, I'm Allison Hare. I've got a podcast called Little Left of Center. I interview culture changers. And what I want to do is I usually ask them for the interview right up front. I would love to talk to you if you're open and you're available. And here's why. So it might be something about I'm, I'm really interested in parents that are or therapists or whatever that are trying to raise great kids in a broken home. Or it might be something like, I think your work is really important and here's one one compelling reason why. And then just leave it at that. And I get so much more responses from that. Um, and again, email just feels so archaic. Don't you think so? But sometimes there are people that say, you know, it, it might go through their assistant or PR person and they'll say, please send me an email and I'll, I'll be glad to do that, of course, but DMs are the way to go, uh, even for the big, big, big accounts. Um, and, and again, there are some that go unanswered and some people may or may not see them. I'll just assume that they don't see them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's another fun fact about podcasting. So with that, We'll get started with Liz Carlisle. You're going to love her, and I strongly recommend you check out her line of CBD products. She's got Motherhood Unstressed CBD, um, which is so amazing for mothers, but she's got so much great, so many great tips and guidance for us as moms. So have a listen, and thank you again. Hi. Hello. <laughs> 
We are here with Liz Carlisle of Motherhood Unstressed. I'm so excited to have you on Little Left of Center podcast. And I found you through through social media. And then I started to look on your Instagram accounts and I started to see some of the the posts that you had. I'm like, that really resonates, you know? Like I really feel like motherhood in general has been underestimated or people may diminish the role of a mother and understanding what it means to not only be a mom but be an empowered mom and one that takes on one that takes on self-care and takes on um, the deserve level is what really kind of drew me to you. So I'm so glad that you're able to come and sit down with me today. Um, and Liz Carlisle, uh, I, I promise I'll let you speak, but um, Liz <laughs> Carlisle is, um, she is a, uh, started out as a blogger, a podcast host of Motherhood Unstressed and has a line of CBD, has recently had a TED Talk and has been um uh, featured on a lot of really well uh, well known publications, I think NBC and some um, some other really well known uh, publications for what you've done. So I am I am dying to have you here because I want to understand. You've got a really large following. What do mothers tell you? What are you? What you have your finger on the pulse of motherhood and have this audience? What? What are? What is stressing us out so much? Mm, that's such a wide question, you know, because it's it's different for everyone. And really, it was that initial blog where I talked about how hard motherhood was for me, how surprised I was at that fact. You know, everyone tells you, oh, being a mother is the best thing in the world. You know, you're going to be tired, but you'll love every second of it. And I didn't. Mm. I I was drowning. I, and I didn't think that I, I, I questioned if I had the strength to do it for the next 18 years. And that thought terrified me to the point of, you know, hitting rock bottom, essentially. And did just, you have postpartum depression, do you think? Never diagnosed, but it was yeah. it was definitely postpartum blues and just feeling overwhelmed all of the time and scared all of the time. Like, am I being a good enough mom? Am I doing a good enough job? I can't be. I must be failing because I look on social media and everyone else is rocking it and their kids are in adorable outfits with the yeah the number next to how many months they are. And I'm like, and the mom body is just snapped right back to right? And I'm just <laughs> they're like, in a bikini after three months. Right. And even if they're not, they just seem so happy. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not happy. Like I'm stressed the F out. Um, mm. And so that initial blog post really, like you said, hit a nerve with a lot of women. And that actually surprised me too, but I, it shouldn't because I feel like whenever we're going through something really dark, there's so many other people out there who are going through it or have been through it too. And then when you talk about it, it's like, you can relax and, and you love It's almost you like permission. Others. Yeah, it it's is. almost like permission to, to be not perfect. Right, you know? exactly. That's what people really want. People really want connection and to feel seen. And so when you say something that connects with them, they feel seen in that moment, even if you've never spoken to them directly or mm -hmm. met face to face, they do in that moment feel seen. That's why the greatest entertainers and speakers are people who can tap into how people truly feel and, and mirror it back. And mm -hmm. then they feel uplifted. You know, and that's that's honestly how I've grown my following. And that's all I've done. That's the secret sauce is, is you know, dug deep and revealed things that are going on with me and my relationships and being a mother and my struggles and reflected it back. And and it's resonated with other women. But in doing that, I, I don't just say, oh, my life is in shambles. This, I know I, I also provide 
key steps into bringing yourself out of it like I did as well. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. That is the mission. That is the goal is to uplift as many women as possible. That's it. Like if I'm doing that, I win. I think there is a shift in perception too that I think that women naturally feel very competitive with each other, whether it's spoken or not. And I also think that the landscape is, you know, that there is only room for one or just the just a few of them. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with you that lifting and the the community that you build um, as a mother of support of um, of understanding of empathy makes a huge impact. And I'm wondering when you were going through, you know, the adjustment of being a mother and feeling overwhelmed and feeling um, like you were at rock bottom, how did you pull yourself out? What were the tools that you use and what did it feel like? Yeah, I think because I didn't want to be miserable anymore, I was done. I You hit a point where you can just kind of white knuckle it through and keep doing the same thing or you can take a drastically different tactic. And I was like, I'm done, I'm done. So the next day from rock bottom moment where I'm bathing my son, I talk about it in the TED Talk and he's looking up at me and I just start to cry and thinking like, ah, what am I doing? What is this life? Mm. Um, I decide to go for a run the next day. Something tiny, something minuscule. But it was a first step to swinging a wider door. And it was handing my son off to my husband, putting on my shoes, getting out the door, even though I'm feeling this mom guilt welling up, even though I'm going to be gone for 20 minutes, but it still, it still twinges something inside of us, I think, that oh, we shouldn't be leaving our children to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first step. And then after that, it was little stolen moments of journaling, of meditation. Meditation is huge for bringing back balance and a sense of knowing who we really are again, that woman that we were before we had kids. Because if you lose sight with her, if you lose touch with her, you don't really know who you are or what's Mm -hmm. going on. You're kind of always in this state of distraction. So you want to really make a concerted effort every single day to touch base with who you really are, whether it's through meditation or journaling or going for a walk or something, something that's just for you. Um, And that will really, I think, up-level your life in in countless ways and up-level your relationship with your husband or partner, kids, everything, work. Sure. So back then, did you... Did you have a full-time job? Were you working in a corporate environment? Oh, yeah. Tell yeah, me I, about it. Oh, my God. Uh, so, <laughs> it's so different than what I'm doing now. Yes. I was um, a federal government employee. Um, first, it was my first job out of college. I went um, to Department of Interior. And then from there, when I moved to Atlanta, I worked for the EEOC doing employment law. And oh, God. so that was where I was working at the time. <laughs> right. So very stressful, very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was almost ecstatic to get back to work after I had my first son, because mm-hmm. at that point, I felt like I needed help. I needed other women to tell me what to do to help me to kind of bolster me up as far as, you know, childcare was concerned. Like I just needed, I needed a break to go have a warm cup of coffee. Yeah. You know? That meant a lot to me. And though work was really stressful, it was also a bit of an escape for me, the kind of escape that I needed, you know, for seven hours a day. But I feel like, um, I feel like this is never talked about that when a woman becomes a mother and through whatever transition they go through, um, there is a lot of unspoken questioning of my life is not just a mom. 
I'm still that person that I was. And so a lot of new moms start businesses and you find a lot of moms go into photography or go into um, whatever it is that that interests them, even crafting or something that um, kind of gives them some kind of pleasure. And I remember, so I'm, I'm uh, a mom of two kids and the first child I had and my second child, um, when I was on maternity leave, I was climbing up walls. I'm like, I have to think of some kind of business, some kind of great idea. I need to get out of here. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to go back to work. You know, yeah. I wanted to find that amazing idea. Um, I did not. Um, but I, again, it's an evolution and I'm still, you know, working and in the workplace and it, it is fine. Um, and I, I imagine that that probably resonates really well with your audience as well. And I, I want to pause for a minute on the meditation. And I watched your TED Talk a couple of weeks ago, and I thought you did amazing. Um, and I, I love the message. I thought it was so powerful. And I work for Salesforce. So Salesforce is a really progressive company's company. I swear to you, there are meditation rooms and mindfulness rooms on every single floor. Wow. And I never use them. So after your <laughs> TED Talk, I went in and I'm like, I'm just going to spend five minutes here. Okay. And I loved it. But I uh, I have a really a hard time just sitting mm-hmm. still. And I wanted to I wanted to understand. Do you know the Enneagram? Do you know what the Enneagram is? I do. Have you taken your test? I do, but I forget my number. I think it was like a six or something. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do this really quick because I'm a three. A three is like all about productivity, about getting oh, okay. stuff done. So one is perfectionist. Um, so somebody that has to have everything done perfectly. The second, I'm not sure I remember these exactly, but two is the helper. Three is productivity. Um, somebody that's very accomplishment focused. And that is me to mm-hmm. a T. And I, I, I kind of struggle with the meditation of, I have so much shit I need to get done, you know? Um, but I understand that there's value in it. Four is like creativity. Mm. Um, somebody that really expresses themselves in a, a very creative way. Five is, uh, um, I think five is more practical. Um, I think sixes are very um, cynical in general, and they're always looking for like, okay, where's the risk? Hmm. Um, Maybe I'm not a six. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm getting this right. Um, and But I know fives are like very practical. They like to have things proved out. Mm-hmm. Um, six are, you know, they're the people that are always skeptics, you know, mm-hmm. and it's good. They kind of have a safety net around them all the time, you know, and then sevens are people that are um, the life of the party. They may mm-hmm. not be very organized, but they are the people that light up a room and are dynamic and, you know, they're all about fun. And eights are people that are really bullheaded, you know, people that just kind of know what they want. They're very sure about it. Whenever it's described, I think of President Trump, just mm-hmm. somebody who is, you know, um, kind of all about business and kind of bullish in what they do. And nine, I completely forget. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm really impressed that you remembered <laughs> one through eight, honestly. I'm still kind of learning it. So I say that to say that how, you know, is, is me being a three, somebody that's productivity driven, how the hell do I calm myself down mm-hmm. enough to really get the benefits of it? How I'm sure you coach people about this. Yeah all day, every day. So tell me more about that. Yeah. And and that's completely normal. Most people, 99% of people find it really difficult to sit still. The fastest way that I found when I'm training people to meditate is to really activate that parasympath- 
sympathetic nervous system through the breath. And once you can control your breath and you start focusing on your inhalations and exhalations, you automatically slow down your system and get into the present moment. It's an, it's an act of control, which productivity, you know, centered people should love. Um, and just focusing on that breathing. You could even say a mantra over and over and over again. And that's more, um, transcendental meditation focused. I've actually taken that course. (laughs) Oh, perfect. So that's another way to kind of get yourself in the zone. But really, you know, when I teach meditation to kids, the fastest way to get them centered and grounded is to say, okay, now breathe in for four, hold and breathe out for six. And Mm. we do that four times in a row. And I, I'm telling you, it's amazing how quickly your body responds to that. You are in control of your body. And when you can control your breath, you can control everything else. So, you know, thoughts are going to come and go. That's completely normal. The brain is never going to stop and it shouldn't, but it's when we don't judge those thoughts and we can kind of just observe the thoughts as an outsider and realize that we are not our thoughts and thoughts don't necessarily have to be true Mm -hmm. just because we're having them. And a lot of our thoughts, are based on old stories that we're telling ourselves and we can decide to choose a different story and believe a different story and that was really big for me you know growing up thinking one thing um and then saying like well actually is that really true do Mm -hmm. i need to believe that no i really don't it's up to me and then then i was just kind of like the creator of my own life from then on out um and so really focusing on the breath when you're doing meditation even doing meditation for three to five minutes can drastically change the cortisol levels in your body, how well you sleep the night that night, how well you how deeply you sleep. I mean, the science behind meditation is out there. That's why, mm-hmm. you know, so many companies are behind it, why you know you should be doing it, why everyone and their mother should be doing it. But again, it's it's really focusing in on, okay, I know I should be doing this. Now how do I actually do it? Just focus on your breathing and you'll get there. And so how many times, it. how many times do you meditate a day or how do you carve it into your life? The the my only real success has been getting up before everyone else in the house. Mm -hmm. That's really the only time I can really get it in because once I'm up and everyone else is up, it's on. I mean, you know this, you're a mother. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not quite that. I'm like 4.45, 5 o'clock. It's still really good. That's (laughs) That's fantastic to stretch and drink water and really kind of connect back with that woman, I think is so critical because when we don't do that, then we turn into just a reactive state and Mm -hmm. we're, we're surviving. We're not thriving. We're not actively directing the course of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and so many people are in that state. You know, your listener right now is probably mostly in that state because we all are, you know, if we don't actually take back our lives and say, no, this is not what I'm going to accept anymore. I'm going to accept a beautiful life. I'm going to create and design my life. And going back to what you were saying, so many mothers creating businesses, it's because we don't want to subscribe to the patriarchal nine to five, where a lot of us are just kind of shoved through this system. And it's like, we're supposed to act like we don't have children. And when we're, you know, at home, we're supposed to act like we don't have a job. And that's insanity. So yeah, I I fully believe in, in more women taking back their lives creating businesses. And now with the way the world works, you can do that. You can make an amazing income completely online, you know, and that's freedom. You know, if you can just take that first step, figure it out, watch YouTube videos, you know, do what lights you up, whatever that is. And if you don't know, that's okay too. We fail fast, go a different way, keep pushing. Do you feel like, um, uh, so what happens When you're at the grocery store, your kids are freaking melting down. They're being obnoxious. They're not listening. Mm -hmm. How do you get in the moment and chill yourself out to be able to 
help because that's reality, right? Yeah. So I can, you know, I, I I don't meditate, but in the mornings I do have a ritual. Um, and the ritual is um, when I wake up, I um, I follow my breath for 10 breaths. And then I go and stretch for like five minutes or so. So I might move my body, just move my body. Mm -hmm. And then I write in a journal. And that's before I look at any screen. So mm -hmm. that is one of the rituals that I've added, you know, and it feels great. So I'm I'm up from 4.30 to 6.30 every morning. So before the rest of my family gets up, that is my golden hour. Yeah. It is the reason why I am as productive as I am and happy. I don't know that I... Am stressed, but I think there's probably a huge layer of stress that I just don't notice because it's just my normal, um, my my normal way. But I freak out on my kids, you know, and I'm like, damn it, why couldn't I? Do <laughs> you know, maybe I should have meditated. So how do oh. you how do you handle that? No, I mean, I think you're human, you know, and yeah, and I read something interesting that motherhood is a state of constantly being uh, not assaulted but pushed. Mm. Push to the edge, push mm. to the edge all of the time. You think about that. Think about that as a stress response. You know, if you had an animal in a laboratory experiment and you're constantly sticking at the animal, they're going to freak out. And that's what's happening to us all of the time. You talk about a stress level. Mm -hmm. We're always being stimulated by stress because of our children who we love. We love them to death. But at the same time, as a human, as a person, eventually you're going to hit that point where you can't just breathe your way out of it. I mean, if I'm in the store, and this has absolutely happened to me, I will, of course, try to bring it back because I don't want to cause a scene. Uh, they're already causing a scene. So <laughs> I will focus on my breathing in and out and I will, you know, give them the mom stare. And sometimes like I'll put my hand on their shoulder and be like, come on. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard and it's a process. And I hate my mommy voice. <laughs> I hate it. I know because honestly, like I think our natural state, especially with our children, is love and acceptance. Yes. And they're constantly amazing us with new thoughts and new things that they're yeah. saying. And it's cool. Like I I do love motherhood. Don't get me wrong. Um, but again, when you're when you're under the gun with work deadlines and relationships, we haven't even talked about the husband wife yeah, dynamic, yeah. which is its own thing in itself, let alone when you add kids in. Um, it's a lot. And so doing the best you can and having grace for yourself when you do mess up or yell when you wish you didn't yell or say things like, what's the matter with you? Like someone told mm. me the other day, like, you never want to say that to your children. That's imprinting. To that say what? Like, what's wrong with you? What's the matter oh, with you? Yeah, never, yeah, never yeah. say that. And I'm like, oh, I've definitely said that. Uh-huh, uh -huh. that makes sense. <laughs> Great, traumatizing my child. Yeah. Um. So just having grace for yourself. And then and another important thing is if you do fly off the handle at your children, to go back and talk about it, apologize, mm -hmm. say, hey, mommy, you know, got upset because this isn't that. It's not an excuse. You know, I love you, of course, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like that actually does a lot mm -hmm. for repairing any kind of deep trauma that you might have been causing to your child. <laughs> that you just, you and just imprinted if, on even them. Even if your kid is like, what are you talking about? Like it does, it does make a difference when mm -hmm. you can go back and kind of talk through any kind of conflict and it teaches them how to communicate. I've always taught my son, you know, even though I'm not a big meditator, I'm like, honey, breathe, breathe in, breathe yeah. out if you're upset. And it's funny because um, he he knows it because I've been saying it to him since he was a little, I mean, he's still little, but uh, since he was a little toddler. And he's like, <sighs> it's not helping. <laughs> you know, but I, I do think I, I'm wondering. So when I think about the words motherhood unstressed 
And I think about the pushback that um, that I immediately give that thought of just okay, it sounds it sounds like an ideal state. And I immediately think of, and this came up over and over as I was kind of um, putting together how how our conversation would go or how I, you know, like kind of a guidance of it. And I thought about deserve level. And I mm. thought about how powerful um, our positions are when we only raise our deserve level. And I think there are so many systemic issues that are, you know, like you mentioned, the patriarchy of not feeling like you're enough, like mm-hmm. you deserve enough, like society um, expects you to be perfect, which I think we all know. I think the veil has kind of been, the curtain's been pulled back on that. But I wonder if that's what you encounter quite a bit of just people saying, well, I have, I'm a single mom. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to do this on my own or I don't have the the happiest relationship at home. You know, I'm trying to just keep myself afloat, let yeah, alone absolutely. keep my kids alive, you know? Um, and I'm wondering, you know, you you are in a really incredible position and a powerful position where you can make an impact in raising women's deserve level. And I wonder what that looks like for you and for the engagement that you have with your audience, whether it is, you know, through your blog, through podcasts, through um, through whatever means you have. What has yeah. that been looking? How how do you see it? Yeah, and and that you just said it so perfectly. It's it's shifting the paradigm of how people think about their lives and what could be. And so many times we don't have a model of of someone who is doing something really great. You know, they say, you know, African-American boys, when they have a male teacher who's African-American, the, the college rates shoot up because they can mm. see they have an example. And that's like, oh, I can do it too. Well, the same thing goes for mothers. If you have a mother who is setting the example every single day, hey, I'm making my self-care non-negotiable and here's why and I'm doing it and I'm showing you and I'm talking about it till, you know, my hair falls out, you mm. know, that that is something. And even if a woman is is seeing that and, and you know, rolling her eyes or laughing about it, she's still getting the message. It's still getting down in there into the deep subconscious. And then maybe she wakes up one morning and she thinks, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk because I deserve it. Or you know what, I need to touch back in with that woman who I was before I had children and before I had this, you know, shaky relationship. And maybe doing something like that improves the relationship. It improves the relationship with herself. She develops a greater sense of self-respect and self-love. And that to me, like it's giving me chills right now is Mm. that matters. And so even if it's someone who's skeptical, there's a strong nine uh, it's, you know, not, <laughs> eight, eight, <laughs> I forget what nine is. Right, right. <laughs> That's okay. Because it's planting a seed, you know, of what could be a life is supposed to, I mean, life, life is so short, really it is. And so if you can plant a seed, uh, to someone to, to do something for themselves and it's not selfish and it's actually really beautiful. And then they do that one day, maybe it's a year later. And then that spreads to their children, to their relationships, to their work, to their parents. Maybe they heal a relationship with someone in their lives. That's everything. What Mm -hmm. are some acts of self-care? Oh, gosh. I mean, we've kind of talked about it. Meditation. Mm -hmm. I keep going back to meditation because I'm telling you, listener. It's so easy. It's it's free. It's easy. It's free. It's transformational. You will be so much more productive, like you said. You will be so much happier. You will have more resilience 
from a brain standpoint, you actually shrink the amygdala, which is the stress and fear response, and you grow your prefrontal cortex, which is, you know, your empathy, your decision making, everything. Time will slow down for you if you take five minutes to meditate. So that's my number one. Exercise. Exercise, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to go run a marathon. You can walk. You can do some push-ups first thing in the morning. Stretch, move your body, get in touch with your body. So many people are like walking heads around. They're not really in tune with the rest of their bodies. And you see a lot of, you know, autoimmune issues coming up mm-hmm. or just people not really feeling well. And then all of a sudden they get a diagnosis and they're like, I didn't see this coming. Well, you're a certified health coach too, mm-hmm. right? So is that, um, is that, I, What's the difference between like a certified, is it an integrative health coach? Right. Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Yes. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, I I think it's the most brilliant um, thing out there. I wish insurance would pay for it. It pisses me off that the healthcare system is the way that it is. And it's something that I advocate for. Um, And I'm wondering, so like nutrition, eating well, uh, taking a walk. And literally right before you walked up to my door, um, I read an article in the skim that said studies show that a 15 minute daily walk or run um, leads to longer life. It yeah. just plain and simple, people are happier. Right. And it kind of unlocks so much. So I, I believe that too. What else? What are some other ways? What are some easy ways that people listening that are trying to figure out all right, I need to I need to kind of put myself first. What are some ways that Yeah. Um, yeah. you don't need to go to Mexico for a week-long retreat. These are simple small <laughs> that things. That would be nice too. I mean, it would be nice. <laughs> um, you know, journaling. Think about like 5 minutes of journaling. Write mm-hmm. down you can be it's, it can be something as mundane as writing down your to-do list for the day because then you're actively getting that out of your brain, out of your body and onto the pen. I mean, it's or onto the page and that's trans, that's transformational because then you're not holding on to worry, to stress, to feelings of inadequacy, like all of these things that we hold inside our bodies on a physical level, we're getting out of us. So think about that, like the walk, you're physically getting anxiety, cortisol, stress out of you as you're walking. Um, drinking enough water. I know that sounds simple again, but drink more water, cleanse your body from the inside, detox. Um, you know, I said journaling, art, draw, mm. simply just draw for five minutes. Think back to something that you enjoyed doing as a small child. Is it skateboarding? Mm-hmm. Is it you for know, my husband? The right. answer is yes, and he he has not stopped. <laughs> That's his way. I mean, men need this too. Men absolutely need. It's these. changed his life to come yeah. back to skating. Honestly. Yeah. It's changed his body. It's changed his life. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think anything where you are forced back into the present moment, journaling, meditation, skateboarding, walking, when you're going on a swing as a grown up. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're not going to get nauseous, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just anything to get you back into the present moment. Maybe, I don't know, taking a really hot shower and noticing how the water feels or how the, the really good smelling soap feels as it goes down your body, really getting in touch in that moment. That's transformational. It can be all of these small things that we never think about. But when you start thinking about it and you start breathing through these moments, you'll start to notice all these little different miracles in your life too. And you'll start to be grateful for little things, a really good meal, really be there, really be present, Mm. sip your coffee, read the newspaper, read like a real newspaper. I mean, the possibilities are endless and it's exciting. (laughs) I mean, read the skim and really enjoy that coffee. Like that's, that's something. And that's, it's giving yourself a little internal hug every single day. And it, and, and it's not like, oh, I, I have, I, you know, I made my yoga class for the week. I'm really doing it. No, that's bullshit. Do something every single 
day for yourself and you will uplift your life. Have you heard of earthing? Yeah, I do it. You, oh, you do? Yeah. So I've been following Mariel Hemingway. And um, she, if you know who she is, she's Ernest Hemingway's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, the Hemingway um, legacy is suicide. Right. And she has taken a stand as an advocate for anti-suicide and for mental health and pro-mental health. And she's part of this new uh, documentary that's coming out called Earthing. Mm. Um, And I think she lives out in, I don't know, Colorado or Idaho or wherever she grew up, Utah, um, somewhere in the mountains. And, And she spends her days out in bare feet in the earth. And um, and advocates, obviously, for the benefits of that. And I think that there is something to be said with just being outside. You know, mm-hmm. like I live right on the Atlanta Beltline. So um, I almost never go on the Beltline, <clears throat> excuse me, on the weekends when it's crazy yeah. and packed. I'll go at six in the morning and just go for a walk. And it feels amazing. It's unlocked a lot of um, a lot of joy for me as well. And I want to go back for a minute to your journey that you started as a blog that kind of hit a nerve with mothers and kind of your own journey of just, what if I did more for myself that was nourishing, that was healthy, and started to get back into a place of joy and a place of capability and feeling like you could take on more? How did the blo- how did the podcast come about? I don't know which, I think, I think the the blog came first. Yeah, the blog was definitely the first. I mean, I was at work. It was a slow afternoon and I just kind (laughs) of hammered it out and I thought maybe my mom will read this. That's cute. Yeah. Um, um, But the the podcast came about as I was attending the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and listening to all of these amazing lectures, people I really admired. And it was super interesting to me. I was always lit up and I just had a thought, you know, I want to talk to them. I want to interview them. I want to pick their brains and get this their message out to a wider audience. I mean, and the blog was was chugging along, so I thought what better way to really scale my message than through audio. Mm. I mean, because then you can be on your commute, you can be walking your dog, working out and put on a podcast and learn something. So I wanted to take everything I was learning from IIN and broadcast it out to my audience and kind of tailor it to the mom you know, the mom who needed to hear this, you know, Mm -hmm. who's, again, struggling, doing everything she can, and she's not happy with her weight. She's not necessarily happy with her life or her relationships. And how could I give what I'm learning and send that to her and say, hey, listen to this, try this. So I saw, I heard that you, um, or I listened to your podcast yesterday with Dr. Gundry. You have some really big names on there. Yeah, It's got to be amazing to do that. And I understand being a podcaster too, that just having these amazing conversations with people that are literally changing culture, they are um, breaking convention, they're saying no to status quo, and mm-hmm. figuring out a better way and kind of sharing that. So I relate to that in in a big way. Um, and I'm curious about your TED Talk. So that's a really big effing deal that you were able <laughs> to get this. And I'm wondering, how did it come about and why in Colorado? Yeah, so I had signed up for a free speakers bureau email blast. So they send you one once a week because I wanted to start speaking. You know, I was mm. doing the podcast. I had the blog. I wanted to get on more stages and do more in-person events. So I thought, well, let me just put this out there and see if anything comes up in Atlanta. And then I saw this TED, TED Talk audition uh, call out 
go up. And I thought, well, it's in Colorado, but why not? Why not? And again, this is going back to when you meditate and you take time for yourself, you start to see little miracles mm. popping up all the time. Synchronicities. Yeah. Yes, it's like that, manifesting. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> is. And and something I would never have thought of before. Um, and so I just, I sent in my audition tape. Um, it was like a three minute video that I did in my basement. The kids are running around upstairs. I'm telling them to shut up. <laughs> I'm very unstressed. You didn't edit that out? <laughs> no, I did. I did. <laughs> the third take was fabulous. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. They reach back out. They say, we want to hear your full speech. Do mm. a 10 minute audition. I did it. I got it. I mean, this is out of like hundreds and hundreds of people yes, too. So again, amazing. it was like very feeling very blessed, but I come to find out the day of the TED Talk was on Mother's Day and my speech was on motherhood and self-care. I mean, Mm. it couldn't have been any more perfect. You know, that's when you start to look around and be like, okay, well, I fully believe that the universe is supporting me because I'm I'm putting out positivity mm-hmm. and and it's and it's just really mirroring it back to me. Like what we put out is exactly what's reflected back at us at the end of the day. You know, some people are like, oh, the universe doesn't care, this, this, and that. But it's like, it is kind of a natural law. What you mm. put out does come back. It's quantum physics. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And the science is actually catching up to that. I think so too. So did you practice a lot? You know, like I was I was following Heather Monahan. Do you know who she is? It sounds familiar. She's um she's this amazing woman and she started a podcast I think in April or May and has hit like over a million downloads and just I think she's really well known in the media industry I think she was the CRO the chief revenue officer of a big media company and and her first guest was Gary Vee you know that'll do it yes (laughs) yes and she's had these amazing guests and she's fantastic Mm -hmm. and she just had her first TEDx speech and she kind of chronicled through her podcast, through social channels, her preparation for it and how, you know, intense it was. And I'm like, oh my God, like one of my goals is to have a TED Talk. Yeah. That's kind of how all of this began was, you know, what do I want to do? And that was kind of it. Um so again, I'm putting it out into the world. I'm a public speaker by trade, you know, by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and apparently I have uh, a lot to share. But um, uh, and so going through this, I'm like, wow, this is a way bigger deal, you know, and I wonder what your preparation was like for that. And that's what I kind of learned as I was going yes. through it. Um, you definitely you have a speaking coach. You have a wardrobe consultant. You Thank had, God. Right. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, you'll... You kind of styled me indirectly. I know, I love it. <laughs> Miss Influencer. Yes. Um, so I, you know, obviously my coach was in Colorado, so we would do Zoom meetings. We had, you know, two or three where you would go through the entire speech and then you would sit down and they would say, well, think about this or change this or do you did this. Like I, I but it was, it was fantastic mm-hmm. because then you can really tweak and you, you have someone looking at you that can really help you and that's their full intention. They're volunteers. They're there to make you look better, mm-hmm. which for me, like I have zero ego. I'm like, tell me all the things so that I can do the best job I can do. And, you know, the day um, we did do a dress rehearsal, which I thought was great. I flew in early for that. Um, But the day of the talk, it was just electric. It was exciting, you know, and you step on on that stage and you don't know what's going to happen. And you're there and the audience is there and you really do feel this energy and it's special and there's cameras everywhere. And I didn't actually know that I was going to do the meditation that day. I felt the energy of the crowd and 
I wanted to not just talk about self-care. I wanted them to actually experience it and experience how easy and accessible it really was. So like halfway through the speech, I was like, I'm going to do it. And and it worked out really great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was just very kind of ethereal. You're not really supposed to go off script from what I can really tell. Not. So that's great. <laughs> You're really not. <laughs> but it was great. And it was like, you know, it was like 30 seconds or something. So what was the response like or has been like? Um, Because this came out in July, right? I think, yeah, it officially, like the, the actual TED Talk was in May. I think they all came out in July. Um, it's been such a, a game changer. You know, once yeah. you have that on your life resume, you have so much more legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And um, and and really, it's it's a sense of pride. It's like you, you stood up on that stage in front of an audience. You face one of the, the biggest fears that most people have, which is public speaking. And you, you know, rocked it. And that's that's awesome. You know, that you can always touch back on that if you're not feeling so good about yourself. Like, hey, I got that in my back pocket. Mm. So tell me about the line of CBD. Oh, this is such a you're like, oh, pivot, yeah, I pivot. forgot. <laughs> you know, uh, well, CBD is so hot right now, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody and their mother is taking CBD. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. There are a lot of bad products that aren't as potent or aren't as uh, pure. So yeah. I want to understand a little more about how that helps you. And I saw I saw something on a TV show that you did that I thought was brilliant about YCBD. So please share. Yeah. So to take it to the most basic level, CBD is short for cannabidiol, which comes from the cannabis plant. Most people think, you know, of marijuana when they hear the word cannabis, but marijuana is uh, a genus of the plant that has a higher level of THC in it. Hemp is hemp because it has low THC and higher CBD. Now, THC and CBD are just the most studied compounds. So it's actually over 100 compounds in the cannabis plant. And they're doing tremendous studies on CBN, CBG, and, and the effects that they have on the human body. But CBD is amazing for improving your body's own endocannabinoid system. Every mammal on earth has an endocannabinoid system. And when that system doesn't have enough cannabinoids, we actually produce our own through good diet and exercise. When we don't produce enough, we do feel more anxious, more depressed, more generally unwell, kind of er errant, you know, in our Mm. thoughts. But when you add in a phytocannabinoid from the hemp plant, you do feel more balanced, more calm. You feel like how you should feel to be at your optimal level. That's the best way I can describe it. Like you take CBD, you're not going to feel drugged out. You're not going to feel altered as if you just took, you know, a Valium or something like it's not going to happen. So a lot of people, they take it and they're like, well, nothing happened. It's like, no, like keep taking it, build up your endocannabinoid supply and then really see how you feel. Mm. And then when you don't take it, you'll definitely notice it. My husband loves it when he is sore from like working out or skateboarding yeah. or something. He swears by it or if his back hurts. So absolutely, um, I love this stuff. I take the, um, I have like the transdermal patches mm-hmm. that last for like 24 hours. And um, and I love those. I always forget to take them because generally <laughs> I, I feel okay, you know? Right. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as to why CBD for your brand, for you, and how you came into um, that. What, it, what has it done for you? Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to have a product. The podcast was going, the blog was going. Um, I was working for so many other brands and I continue to do that. And I love that. 
but I, I wanted something for, for myself and my company. Um, and so I was looking at different adaptogens, you know, like mushrooms and things like that, because I'm, apparently shrooms are like the new CBD, uh, <laughs> like the shrooming or right, whatever right, right. it is. And the psychedelic ones are coming out too. <laughs> Probably <laughs> I need get to try those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Um, but when I, I tried CBD as part of an influencing campaign, and I had never tried it before. I was still working for the government. So I was like, I don't even know if I can take this. This is cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, eh, I'll just take it. And so I took it and, you know, it was very subtle. But again, I was like, you know what? I do feel better. I do feel less anxious. You know, I'm, I'm rocking through my to-do list every single day. I'm feeling more resilient. Again, post-workouts, because I was running and weightlifting, um, I felt like I could bounce back faster. So I was like, I need to research this more. I need to learn out, you know, learn more about this. And I started reading all of the academic studies that are coming out of Israel and um, Korea, South Korea. There's the plethora. And I was like, this is going to be huge. I need to get in on this. And my brand was motherhood unstressed. What's more unstressing than cannabis? (laughs) It was fabulous. It was just, again, going back to alignment and synchronicities. It was almost too perfect. And I just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other and figured out how to start a product line. And, you know, YouTube is a beautiful thing. The internet is a beautiful thing. If you want something in life, you're listening to this and you're not really sure like how to go about it, just take the first step, just start doing research. And, uh, you know, again, if you're going to come out with a product line, make sure that you really do your homework because you can have the best marketing campaign in the world. But if you have a crap product, your product sucks. Yeah, no one's going to reorder it, <laughs> you know, and and so I wanted to make sure that I really had a quality USA grown organic hemp product. And so we do. And we're expanding. We're coming out with gummies and I uh, saw that caps. I saw that on your um, your thing that yeah. you were testing some gummies. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would be popping those all day long. <laughs> you know? And then you would be asleep. <laughs> right, right. And then I would just be sugar hide up or something. But um, one thing that stood out to me from from the, the broadcast that you did on that is that moms generally, um, when they come home at night, they're drinking wine mm-hmm. and they are you know, self-medicating that it is part of their routine to drink wine. And a lot of moms will go right into alcohol addiction, whether they admit it or not, by um, by just that dependency of some kind of taking the edge off. Yeah. And I love that this was more of a natural alternative to that. And I'm wondering what the response has been like from people, from your customers that are buying that of how their lives have been changed or altered or how they've been able to to change their lives with it. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. When we do self-medicate with alcohol, we actually lower our vibration. We damage our liver. We we cut off creativity, you know, because essentially we're we're dumbing ourselves down so that we don't feel um, and so with hemp, it's, it actually, that's an American thing, by the way. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And, and I get it. People are stressed out and, mm-hmm. and they're doing the best that they can. And this is definitely a culturally accepted thing. I mean, there's t-shirts and wine glasses all about, you know, wine time with mom, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like it's just part of all our culture. Um, but when you take hemp, which, you know, you're going to actually sleep better, you're going to get, you're going to be in, um, that REM sleep longer per night. Um, you wake up feeling more productive and happier. And so you don't need to self-medicate. And, and and some people could argue, well, isn't this just the next thing? It, it is in a way, but it's also a way to get to where you want to be so that you're more effective. You know, it's, it's something that's going to help you 
live the life you want to live and then you don't have any regrets for having an extra hemp pill from the night before or whatever you know it's 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 helping you it's helping you get to where you want to be versus hurting you can kids have cbd absolutely they can is it safe for that or do you give them like half a dose or something uh, yeah because animals and children have more sensitive endocannabinoid systems so Mm -hmm. you always want to reduce the amount you always want to make sure you're using an organic product um, because hemp, when it's not organic, sucks the metals out of the soil. It's a great phytoremedial. Um, they actually use it for oil spills. I have no idea what that means, but cleans the, keep, cleans keep the environment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it cleans up oil spills. It's that powerful. So you absolutely don't want to be putting that into your body and paying a lot of money to do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the Charlotte's Web line, which is probably the most famous CBD company out there, they started um, their own program to help a girl who was having seizures, this young mm. girl, and she's alive today and doing well. Um, so yes, absolutely. From a medical standpoint, and just if your child, if you're worried about them having ADHD or, you know, focusing issues, which they're kids, they're going to, you know, yes, be rambunctious. Yes, yes, yes. But it's so much better than, you know, prescription drugs, right. which are going to alter their brain chemistry and, and destroy their livers. I mean, and I have so many clients who have gotten off um, depression medication, mm. anxiety medication, which are just so terrible for your body and your brain. And then especially mothers too, who have just had children, they're worried about, well, can I take this while I'm breastfeeding? There's cannabinoids in breast milk. So if you're stressed out, you're depressed, you're feeling really anxious, CBD can be a great option for you. That's huge. huge. What, um, so you're an influencer as well. So you have companies that will um, offer you affiliate programs or pay you to, you know, promote their, um, their products or services. What is the craziest thing people have asked you to do that you're like, uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure that that has happened. Um, hmm, that's a tough question. <laughs> There's just been so many. Um, no, I think I'll get a lot of like strange ones, like, um, like for baby products. And I tell them, you know, I have a four and a seven year old. This is, I'm, why are you reaching out to me? Yeah. So people who you can clearly tell didn't really research. They're just kind of like email blasting everyone. I don't know. I'm, I can't think of a really strange product. Um, yeah, I'll have to think about that one. Do you have to be very, um, mindful of which ones you take? Oh, you, yeah. you have, you know, more of a natural kind of approach. And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of chemical laden um, things that you can, you know, like promote or whatever. Are you very conscious of that? Or I guess you have to be. Yeah. I mean, I definitely- You're doing this full time. You know, this is oh, this yeah. is a big deal. Right. But I think the second that you're inauthentic um, with who you partner with, mm-hmm. you kind of lose your credibility. Um, so I, I had a lot of like meat companies reaching out to me and that's not something I'll actively, I'm not 100% vegan, but I do live a more plant-based lifestyle. Um, and I am, you know, for animal rights. So when that happened, I just kind of said, no, thank you. But no, right. And I'm always very gracious. Like, thank you. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for thinking that I would be a good partner for you. Like that's, that's again, gratitude and you're expressing that gratitude. But at the same time, it's kind of like you do have to stay in alignment with your belief system because then, you know, what do you stand for? That said, I am working (laughs) with a Atlanta uh, influencer campaign right now. And I did just get my lips done and I love them. (laughs) And this is not natural, (laughs) but again, you're still who you are. And I've always been, you know, open to, well, let's try this or let's see if this makes me feel 
better. Because again, at the end of the day, you have to feel good about yourself and what you're doing. It's all an evolution too. You know, I mean, I'm trying to go more natural and I'm actually going to do plant-based in January. Um, I do love steak, but, um, but I just feel much better when I eat clean, you know, and, and I, um, I have to figure out what that means or what I'm going to do and kind of map it out. But, um, it's part of, uh, do you know, Jesse Itzler's build your life resume program? So it's part of that too. Yeah. So it's part of that. Um, Atlanta guy. Yes, he sure is. Um, he is everything, you know, that guy Mm -hmm. is, uh, he's pretty extreme. Um, but yeah, so that's one of the, uh, so every month as part of the program, you, uh, pick a new winning habit or something to introduce into your life, you know? Um, and so I started in September. So September was, um, making my bed, all beds, you know, so all beds are made, which never, ever, ever happen, but now I can't Mm -hmm. not make it. Like I can't deal with like an unmade bed, which, um, it was just my life before. <laughs> and October is, um, October was, um, no phone with the kids. And oh. that was really hard. That was really surprisingly hard. hard I bet. Uh, not surprisingly hard, but very hard. Mm-hmm. And I failed a lot yeah. at that, but I'm trying to be more conscious about it. And November is, um, this month I'm doing a pay it forward where I pick somebody and say, how can I help you today? Do you need a connection, resources, no strings attached? Just tell me what you need. Do people Um, look at you like, what's your angle? Maybe. (laughs) I don't know, but it feels good. You know, no strings attached. Just what do you need? And I'm surprised, you know, in the month of Thanksgiving. So Mm. I figure how can I serve, you know? Um, And I I feel like um, people have been forthcoming and ask, this is what's on my mind. What can I do? So it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to be able to do that. And I have no idea what December will be. But (laughs) this is not my interview. (laughs) I'm interviewing you. Tell me, what do you do for fun? Oh, my gosh. What's like your thing? So, okay. Easy, easy answer. My my biggest thing for fun is travel. Travel to a brand new city or to a city that you've been before and do something totally different. And then eat the food and meet new people. I always like when I travel now, especially because of the show and everything, I can connect with people in that city who are doing amazing things and interview them for the podcast. Like that's one of my favorite things about having this platform. It enables me to, you know, I was going to go to this city anyway, but now I can connect with this Broadway playwright and interview him, which is something I did last week. I mean, just mind boggling things like that. And I feel like whenever people travel, you again are forced back into the present moment. You don't know the way to the restaurant. You got to figure it out. You got to learn your way around the subway system or you have to, you know, take this back road through country that you've never seen before. It's just, it's enlivening. You know, it's so beautiful. So that's, that's who I am really at the end of the day is a wanderer, a traveler, a seeker. Um, and so I just, I love it. And where's your favorite place to go? Where have you been? So New York is always, what blew you away about New York in general, any, anywhere you went that just, just rocked you. I think just even a a new place when you get off the plane, it smells different. Mm. There's a different energy and I'm really big on energy, obviously. (laughs) Um, so tapping into that energy, New Orleans was a really special place Mm -hmm. for me. Anywhere where you can actually feel a more vibrant or just even a different vibrational energy, I think is really interesting to my brain. Um, and then food, like go to a go to a region and eat their their dish or what they're famous for. That's really exciting and fun for me. That's interesting that you pick New York and, and New Orleans that are very kinetic, vibrant cities, mm-hmm. but your thing is like chilling out and relaxing. And I wonder if like 
a place that is just planes, you know, yeah, would not be of interest to you, you know, like, is it the people that kind of fuels you? I think so. Because, you know, it's funny you say that because when I was in 10th grade, my parents moved us out of Washington, D.C. to Brainerd, Minnesota, which I, it's a very Sounds small cold. town. Oh, it's freezing. Two and a half hours north of the cities oh. and Plain, Plainville. Um, and the people were so nice and genuine. But for me, it was deadening yes. it, on a soul level. Like the, it was literally everything was dead in the winter. Um, and it was just very simple, simple living. And I appreciate it now, you know, as a parent, like it would be a great place to raise your kids. But as someone who had just come from the energy of Washington, DC, riding the subway with my friends to go to the mall and things like that, that was a shock to my system. And I was definitely depressed, you know, when that happened, because I was like, oh, like, what, what is this? And it's not unlike how I felt <clears throat> when I first had my son, in that everything kind of mm. like came to a crashing halt. And I was like, okay, what's next? Like I'm bored kind of thing. But it sounds like you have organized your life to be in vibrancy, to be- I have to. Yeah, to be um, <clears throat> constantly sparked. I relate to that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I have a podcast interviewing culture changers of people that are new. So it's like a neophile kind of yeah. thing of just, you know, what's, what's new and what's next. Um, Absolutely. So tell me, how can people contribute to your mission? What would be like if somebody were hearing this and wanted to act and say, you know what, that makes sense to me, what would that look like for you? The most beautiful thing that could come out of this conversation is that someone listening would take action today, take action tomorrow and do something for themselves. Sit in meditation and breathe and listen to your heartbeat for five minutes. Do that. And then go into the world and be kind to your spouse. Be kind to your children. Be kind to the person behind you in line who was huffing and puffing because they had to wait an extra five minutes and spread that loving energy out into the world because that is powerful. That does change the rest of the world on a vibrational level. It does. And you think, oh, this is so woo-woo and crazy, but it's not. Because when you're a happier mm -hmm. person, you make others happier too, just by being yourself. I think it's funny, the, the woo-woo comment, because people are like, people are very sensitive over the woo-woo kind of thing, know. you know, like your level of woo. <laughs> but I think it's becoming more normalized too, that there is a reality and a vibrational energy that really does make a huge difference. I mean, how many places have you walked in that you just want to walk right out? It's yeah. just not feels right. It, something doesn't feel right, you know? And I think that that stuff is, is, really important. So I hate, I want to kind of take off the stigma of yeah. being too woo or not being, you know, be being so esoteric, you know? Well, think about you walk into a meeting at work and you can feel yes. the fear. You can feel yes. the anger. You can feel the tension. That's not made up. You feel that, yes. you know? And so if you can breathe through those moments, you could potentially shift the energy in that room. And then who knows, you could get a promotion or you could make Cindy from HR you know, a little bit nicer to the people that she's serving. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, but honoring how you feel in that room, that's real. I think the other half of that is empathy and compassion, at least from what I'm hearing. So, you know, if Cindy is, being, you know, in a bad mood and kind of acknowledging that mm -hmm. maybe she had a really tough day and kind of offering grace. And maybe no one's ever acknowledged her before. Yes, but I think that whole grace thing is really where we started this conversation out yeah. about grace for yourself and grace for others. And again, it just boils down to empathy and compassion. So how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so Instagram's probably the easiest way, Motherhood Unstressed, or my website, motherhoodunstressed.com. 
Well, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Liz. I appreciate you being with me today and sharing sharing all this goodness with um, with my audience. So I love it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fabulous. <laughs> thank you. Didn't you just love Liz from Motherhood Unstressed? I hope you caught as many of our practical takeaways that you can use right away as I did. And I've also linked her info in the show notes so you can connect with her or even grab some of your own Motherhood Unstressed CBD and get a nice, healthy way to bring your stress level down. In the meantime, Little Left of Center is not only available on your favorite podcast app, these episodes are also broadcasting on Decatur FM and Salesforce Radio. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please make sure you do so you never miss an episode of these perspective-shifting conversations. The moment you click the share button and send it to people you know, it is the clearest indicator to me that these messages are resonating. Stay tuned for sign-up info for Press Play Podcast Program and click on the show notes to connect with me on the socials. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week. 